0: We are uh, this morning in John chapter 8, verse 12. Interestingly, this is the verse where we left off last week, and so we are just picking up where we left off. It's the verse that was read this morning as part of the lighting of the Advent candle, and it certainly fits here in the center of the Advent season as we think about the gift of Christ as light of the world. And so I'm just going to read verse 12, and then we will dive in. So then hear the word of God. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning. We come to sit at Your feet to hear Your Word. We long for You to speak to us. You long for You to shine the light of Your glory into our souls, into our hearts and our minds, that we might see Jesus for who He is, that we might be awakened from our sleep, that we might love and glorify and honor and serve and follow You as we should, for You are light in our darkness. We give ourselves to You and to Your Word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Here in verse 12, we get one of a number of what are known as I am statements. They're unique to the book of John. John has, I think, seven of them. And depending on how you list them, there are more. Uh, But at least seven distinct I am statements where Jesus says things like, I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am, he says, the light of the world. When you hear these statements, particularly the one that sits before us this morning, but any one of them, you get an immediate sense of the magnitude of the statement. Or at least we should when a man stands up in a crowd of people and declares, I am the light of the world. The magnitude of that statement should strike us. I mean, who says things like that? Who stands and says things like that? Who is this guy? Who does he think he is? And part of our discomfort, and there should be a little bit of discomfort in some sense of, of a human being saying something like this, and part of our discomfort is not just that he, he sets himself apart from us or sets himself over us, that, that this man is light of the world and I don't know what I am, but, you know, but he sets himself apart, but what, what discomforts us is, is there is a sense, immediate sense in which he is infringing on the divine. He's not just treading on me. He is treading on holy ground, isn't he? When he says something like that, I mean, it's just common sense. If this light has a world, all right, if this, take back that up, switch it around. If this world has a light, you know, other than the sun, a physical light, a spiritual light, a metaphorical light, if this world has a light, the common sense would tell us it's God. It's not going to be me. It's not going to be you. It's going to be God himself as light of the world. And the Old Testament gives us this sense from the very first opening lines, you know, when there was nothing but chaos and darkness and void. God said, let there be light. And there it was. It bursts into existence and and enlightens the world of darkness. You know, God speaks the lights into existence. He abided with his people in a fiery cloud that that followed them and lighted their way and led them. He was the shining glory of the Shekinah that settled on the temple and drove out its priests. If we have any doubt that Jesus knows what he's talking about or John knows what he's saying when he says this, there in your bulletin under the first point in 1 John, one of John's letters, the same writer, he says, God is light. In him is no darkness at all. Right? There's no doubt about who the light is. So when Jesus takes this upon his lips, he's treading on holy ground. God is light. And yet Jesus says, I'm the light. Jesus regularly claimed for himself you know, the, the titles and the rights and the prerogatives of, of the deity. And he claimed them for himself. Boldly stated, these belong to me. So Jesus is either a man who is struggling with megalomania. Right, he has, he has an exaggerated sense of himself. Or there is a profound mystery in Christ. And history would tell us there is a profound mystery in Christ, in this man, the, an identity of this man that somehow God was manifesting himself in the person of Jesus Christ. Somehow, God Himself had showed up and could say then, I am the light of the world. And of course, this is exactly what we celebrate at Christmas. It's what it's all about. It's, what, it's why we light candles and, and say and, and remember and look to uh, all the prophecy and all that was described in the coming of Christ, that it's exactly what we celebrate at Christmas, the invasion of God into human history. You know, probably my favorite Christmas carol, my favorite hymn, is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Right? It, has, it is so rich and so profound in its content. And it lays out Christmas in the most biblical and theological way of, of any of the, the Christmas hymns that we sing. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail, the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Emmanuel, of course, means God with us. Jesus, the Son of God made man. God comes to us in the person of Christ. He breaks like a beam of light into the flow of human history. He stands in our midst and He cries out His identity. So Isaiah chapter 9, it's there in your second point of the bulletin. is The prophets looked forward to the birth of Christ, to to the birth of this One. They write, Isaiah says, the people who walked in darkness... They've seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light is shined. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder. And his name is going to be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Light has come into the world. And we're told it comes to set us free from the power of darkness, right? Jesus makes a promise in this statement in verse 12. The same promise that was given there in the prophet Isaiah as he looked forward, the people who walked in darkness. And Jesus gives it to us there. He says, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Right? This is the good news. Right, if we missed it. Now, it's there metaphorically. It's there as a picture. But this is the good news, isn't it? That those who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. And Jesus says, whoever will follow me will follow me out of their darkness. Right? That we will no longer walk in darkness. And that's the situation pictured by the prophet. It's, it's to a people that are walking in darkness. To a world, to a people that dwelt in deep darkness, that this light has shown up. If you were dwelling in a literal darkness. If the lights have gone out. If you were in a cave somewhere and it was sealed up and you couldn't find your way out. and You sat in that darkness for any length of time. Where you couldn't see your hand before you. And somewhere along the way, months in, a light appears and comes down the passageway. Right, there is nothing, nothing that would be thrill your heart, nothing that would capture your attention, nothing that would be more important to you in those moments than this light appearing in the darkness, a light that could guide you out of the darkness, and back into the light of life, back into the light of the world. God comes into the world and he ultimately says he wants to come into our lives to do just this, to, to change our darkness into light, to lead us out to lead us back. Of course, this darkness is a picture of people without God. Darkness is the condition of the soul that doesn't know God. And so Jesus came to turn to turn people to turn the world back to God, back to their creator, to bring light of his truth to bear. Because where God is not acknowledged as king, where the soul does not submit to God and to who he is and to what he has said, darkness reigns. We sit in deep darkness. We cannot see the truth. We don't know the truth. Where darkness reigns, truth is blotted out. Where darkness reigns, lies are believed. Where darkness reigns, there's rebellion, godlessness. Right, look in your bulletin under the second point. Psalm 82:5, we're told that they neither had knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. Right? Where there's no truth. Where the truth is, is not the truth of God, the one who made the world and is, is the one who defines reality for us. Where that truth, where his truth, the one who said, let there be light and there was light. And who said, let's make them in our image. And, and he made them male and female in his own image. If, if the, the truth according to him is not known, is not understood, according to the owner's manual, he said, there darkness reigns. They walk about in Darkness. Or Proverbs 4.19, the next one under your bulletin. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Right? That's the nature of darkness. It hides the true nature of things. If you've ever stumbled about in a dark room, especially an unfamiliar dark room, you know what I'm talking about. You know what he's talking about. You know, the way of the wicked is deep darkness. They they, they do not know over what they stumble. We stumble again and again because they don't know the truth. They cannot see the truth. They do not have the owner's manual. They don't know what the reality truly is. They walk about and ramming their shin into the table and hitting a chair and stumbling over. They know not over what they stumble. Where God is not acknowledged. Where His word is not honored and obeyed. There is deep darkness. And so in John chapter 3, four or five chapters ago, when we touched back when, Jesus said this in John 3.20, it's there in your bulletin, everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his works should be exposed. That's Proverbs 4.19, the way of of the wicked lies in deep darkness. When light comes, evil is exposed. We see it for what it is. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, I am the light of the world. And if you will follow me, you will not walk in darkness. I will lead you out. I will lead you into the daylight. The good news of the gospel is that He will turn our hearts back to God. The good news of the gospel is that the Father is willing and ready to take prodigal children back again. The good news of the gospel is that He is willing to meet us in the darkness, to shine in the darkness, and to show us the way back to Himself. And the light shines the brightest at the cross. For Jesus sheds his own blood, his own precious blood, to make it possible for us to return. To make it possible to find the way back out of the darkness. 2 Corinthians 4.6, it's there in your bulletin. God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Right, The God who created the world. The God of Genesis 1. The God who speaks and it is. The God who said, let there be light. And there was light. It happened with immediacy, with power, without a moment's hesitation. The God who said, let light shine out of darkness. This God has shown in our hearts to give us the light. What light? He tells us. The knowledge of the glory of God. Where? Where? Where is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God? We need the knowledge of the glory of God. Where do we find it? He says, in the face of Christ. Darkness is dispelled. Light shines into our souls, he says, when we embrace Jesus as the light of the world, when we believe that he is who he said he is, when, when we believe his testimony and put our faith in him. When we own the light of the world and embrace Him into our lives, into our heart, into our soul, He says, "Then our inner world, our world is flooded with light. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God, which we find in the face of Christ. Jesus Christ breaks the power and the reign of darkness and He returns people to God. So in Acts chapter 26, the last under your second point there. Jesus tells Paul as he is defining for him and explaining to him what his ministry will be. I'm calling you as an apostle, I'm setting you apart, I'm knocking you off your donkey and, and I'm claiming you for myself. And here's your job, here's the ministry. I'm sending you to open their eyes, so that they may turn from darkness to light. That's that's the job. So that they may turn from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to the power of God. That they may receive forgiveness of their sins. And a place among those who are sanctified by their faith in me. Right? They turn to God. They return to God out of darkness. Out of the power of darkness. Through faith. A sanctifying faith in Christ who saves. Right? We step into the light through faith. In Christ. And so Jesus says, When you do that, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. And when you follow me and not walk in darkness, he says, You will have the light of life. You will have it. He says, If you have me, you will have it. The light of life. It will dawn in your life. It will dawn in your experience. It will dawn in your soul. It will flood your world with light. Light is coming to the world, and the amazing news is that God Himself says that He will be the light, the sun, as you will, of your inner world. As the sun is the sun of this world and lights our ways that we don't stumble in darkness, God Himself comes and says, I will be the sun. The center, right? the light of your inner world, your spiritual life, who you are. And when God enters your life through faith in Christ, he says, you have the light of life. So we might say, what's the big deal with that? Say, all that happens. What, is, what does it mean for me? What, what is going to change for me? And according to the Bible, and what I want to just do with the rest of my time is just see what I, what I think this theme of light and how it transforms a people and, and what changes. Because we have then a new kingdom, a new identity, a new way of living, a new light for our path, a new mission. Let me just walk you through some of those. It, that when we have the light of life, he says you enter into a new kingdom. When you embrace Christ. You are transferred from one dominion to another, from one power to another, from one king and kingdom to another king and kingdom. So' in your bolt in the first point, under Colossians one, He that is God, has delivered us from the domain of darkness, and he has transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, in whom we have the forgiveness of sins. Right, this son, his beloved son, who says he is the light of the world. He says he will deliver you from the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of the light of the world. We're delivered and come under his lordship. We come under his power. We come under his domain. And we, light reigns over us and reigns in us of course, then we have a new identity, don't we? If this is where we live, then who are we? We have a new identity. We, the Bible says we are sons and daughters of light, that he gives us the light of life and it floods our souls and it changes who we are. It remakes us. It transforms us. It makes us something that we weren't. Right? And so there, 1 Thessalonians 5.5 5, in your bulletin, Paul says, you, church of God, are children of light. You're children of the day, right? We are not of the night. We are not of the darkness, right? We we no longer belong to the darkness. We belong to the light of the world. And you are children of light. You've been born again as children in a new kingdom, in a new existence of light. Alive to God in Christ Jesus, returned unto God. And as the light dawns in our souls, He awakens all kinds of desires within us as we are transferred into a kingdom of light and come under the reign of the King who is the light of the world. As we are born again as children of the light, He awakens within us desires, a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, right? A longing to, a longing to. To know the power and the life of God in us. To be like Christ. 1 Peter there in your bulletin 2. Now you are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people belonging to God. A people for his own possession. Why? So that you mo- may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. A new way of living, right? Not only a new kingdom and a new identity, but a new way of living. Because the light of God's Spirit, when he takes up residence within us, he draws us and out of us and within us a genuine and Unique love for God Himself. We come into a willing submission to God. First John 1.7, it's there. We're told to walk in the light as He is in the light. And the hearts of God's people say, yes. Walk in the light as He is in the light. 2 Corinthians 6.14, what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? Right, if our fellowship is with the light of the world, right, he says, walk in the light. You know, there's a new lifestyle. There's a new way of living there. Everything changes when you go from darkness where you stumble over, you know not what. To having the light of life resident in your soul. Right, So Ephesians 5, 8 and 9, At one time you were darkness, but not anymore. No longer. You are now light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. And what does that look like? What would it, what would it be? What is, what is it to walk in it? And he gives us this parenthetical, for the fruit of light is this. It's found in all that is good, all that is right, all that is true. That is who you are. As a child of light, all that is right, all that is good, all that is true, all that is Christ. All that is his heart, his character as the son of God lighting our world. Shines in and shapes you in its own image. New light for your path. Where do we learn what it means to walk in the light? Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We have a new mission. You have become ambassadors of Jesus. Ambassadors of the one who is the light of the world. See, it's an amazing twist for me that Jesus makes this statement here, recorded for us by John, where he claims to be the light of the world. And then he turns around in Matthew chapter 5, recorded by the Apostle Matthew in a different speech at a different time. And he speaks to the crowd and he speaks to his people and his disciples and his apostles. And he says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Followers of Jesus. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. People don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. But they put it on a stand. So it gives light to all that are in the house. In the same way my friends, my disciples. Let your light shine before others. So that they can see your good works. And give glory to your Father in heaven. What is Jesus saying? He said, I lit you on fire. Right? I light you up. I light you up for a purpose. Who lights something up and puts it under a bushel? You know, I lit you up. I set you on fire. He says, shine. Right? Shine your light to the glory of your Father. 2 Corinthians 5, we're ambassadors for Jesus Christ as though God were making his appeal through us. As though now the light of the world shines through us. We are the light of the world. What an amazing, staggering, humbling statement. We, church, we are the light of the world. Christ says He lives in us. He abides in us and with us. We as the children of light. The children of God. And He makes His appeal. Shines His light through us. To a world that is cloaked and plunged and lost in darkness. So Philippians 2.15 there in your bulletin. That you may be blameless and innocent. That you would be children of God, children of light without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted, a dark generation among whom you shine. You, my children, shine as lights in a darkness. Do you live as a child of the light? In a world that's cloaked as darkness, are you, do you shine as, as a light? In your workplace that is often clouded in darkness? Do you shine as a light in your, in your home? In your family? And this Christmas as your family gathers together, will you shine as a light, as a witness to the Christ that saves us? At home, at work, at school among your friends and your little social group and all that goes on and all the petty and all that is and said and done, are you a child of light, flameless and pure in a crooked and twisted world? Has your light grown dim? Has your light grown dim? Christmas is a great time to revision who you are in Christ. It's a great time to have Jesus light you again. Right? It's a great time for him to set you afire again. It's a great time to lift up our eyes. To lift up our hearts. To let him flame anew into our lives. To awaken us from our slumber. Christmas is a great time. Because it is full of all of this. If your light has grown dim, it's a good time to return to God. Right, to follow David in his psalm, I think of it, creating me a clean heart, renewing me a right spirit. right Light, blameless and pure inside as well as out to return from my wanderings and my distraction and wherever I've been and whatever I'm doing. Creating me a clean heart, renewing me a right spirit, cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy and the light of my salvation that I might be a child of light in a world of darkness. Do you know who you are? Do you know what you are? Do you know what he is making you to be? Do you know the mission, the purpose for which he has set you afire? I I may lose you right here, but I'm going to close with Gandalf. The Hobbit's about to come out. I'm very excited. For those of Lord of the Rings people here, you know Gandalf on the bridge in the mines of Moria in Khazad-dum when the Balrog comes out, right? This being of fiery darkness chasing the fellowship of the ring and Gandalf screams at him, you shall not pass. And he runs to the center of the bridge and, and he hits his staff down and it lights up and he's engulfed in a ball of light. And he raises his sword and he stands before it and he says, I am a servant of the sacred fire. The secret fire. Now, you've got to go to the Silmarillion to know that's the fire of Iluvatar, the Creator. He says, I'm a servant of the Creator as he stands against this being of fire and darkness, engulfed in a ball of light. And his defense is, I am a servant the secret fire and he stands his ground and he fights the darkness because he knows who he is now just bring it home you are a child of the light he has set you aflame you are a servant of the light of the world Have you embraced Jesus as the light of the world? Have you put your faith in Him? Are you following Him? Are you a son or a daughter of light? Jesus says, for all those who received Him, who believed in His name, He gave the power to become children of God. Children of light. And So in John 12, He says, while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light pray with me father in heaven we come this morning confessing that we do not burn as brightly as we should we are not as full of your spirit as we should be we should, we are not as blameless and pure in a twisted and dark generation as we want to be we want to be children of light we want to be lights of the world we want to be a lamp set on a pedestal. We want the world to see our good deeds, our Christ-likeness because we love you and we serve you and we, we want to walk in the light as you are in the light so that the world may see and give glory to our God who is in heaven. Would you pour out your spirit on us this morning? Would you create within us clean hearts, right spirits, Restore unto us the joy and the light of our salvation. Awaken us from our slumber. That we indeed might be your children in the midst of the darkness. Bringing glory and honor to your name. We ask and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.